I will read 2 Timothy 4, verse 11. 2 Timothy 4, verse 11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. to his great-grandmother, and she was the epitome of a Christian lady. Her health worsened, her eyesight grew quite dim, and on one occasion, feebly, she asked her great-grandson to read to her from God's Word. Some friends of his were outside playing, and he really wanted to go and spend time with them. And so he told his great-grandmother, I'm going to go out for just a little while, but I'll be right back. He came back in to find that his great-grandmother had passed away. And the Bible sat there next to the chair. That young man decided that he was going to take God's Word and that very Bible and he was going to read to people that couldn't read any longer. To people that were facing sickness and advancing years, declining health. And he said that in his time of doing that, he was able to read God's Word to people. And he noticed how comforted they were by God's truth. And he said, you know, over the years, a couple have passed away while I was reading God's Word. And he said, I really can't think of a better way for anyone to go than hearing the comforting message of Jesus. When you think about John Mark, three expressions converge. Missed opportunities. Much like the young man in that opening illustration... Sometimes missed opportunities can be devastating in our lives. Another expression, second chances. Isn't it amazing how God gives us, who have missed some golden opportunities through the years, second chances in other areas? Third expression, useful. Did you hear Brian as he read 2 Timothy 4 and verse 11? Writing from a cold Roman prison cell, Paul instructs Timothy to bring John Mark with you because he is useful to me in ministry. What I'd like to do tonight briefly is look at John Mark's life in seven scenes. 
will move rapidly. And I think it'll be easy to keep in mind. But remember those three expressions. Missed opportunities. Second chances. Usefulness in ministry. Because they really are a great summary of John Mark's life. Scene number one. John Mark grew up in a godly home. He grew up in the kind of home I think all of us would have dreamed of growing up in. Look at Acts chapter 12, 12 through 19. In Acts 12, 12 through 19, Simon Peter has been released. And he knows where Christians are going to be meeting. They are going to be meeting at the home that John Mark grew up in. Mary's home. And there are going to be many Christians there praying for Peter. And maybe you recall how the story goes. Peter knocks on the door and Rhoda, the servant of the house, comes to the door and asks, Who is it? And Peter says, It's Peter. And she leaves the door shut in her, in her excitement. She recognizes Peter's voice. How about that? When even the servants of the house know Christian leaders by the sound of their voice. And she runs back to tell everybody that Peter is at the door. Meanwhile, and it's one of those humorous scenes in the Bible, so true to life, Peter's still knocking trying to get in. John Mark grew up in a home that must have been fairly well-to-do because they could easily accommodate many Christians coming to that home to pray. That's what the text tells us. But there's something else I'd like for you to notice. This home must have been a center of spiritual and social activity in the Lord. Because Peter knew where he needed to go where Christians might be meeting and praying. Would to God all of us had a home that was a center of God-focused activity. Scene 2. John Mark was allowed to see the circle of early Christian leadership. He was part of the circle of early Christian leadership. Open your Bibles to the book of Mark. In Mark chapter 14, notice especially verses 50 through 52. And this relates to what I preached about this morning. When all of the disciples fled the garden as Jesus was arrested and taken to be tried, Mark and Mark alone in this gospel account records that a young man followed Jesus and what was going on. 
And he was wearing nothing but a linen wrap. He was grabbed, seized by some in the mob. And he fled, leaving the linen wrap behind. Many Bible students have surmised that the reason why we only find this in the Gospel of Mark is that young man was Mark. It quite possibly was and surely was someone that he knew. And here's what I am saying. If it was Mark, he was present on the very night that Jesus was betrayed and in that garden. Imagine the impression that must have left on him. Barnabas is introduced to us in Acts 4, 34 and following. A man who is generous and an encourager he is. Colossians 4 and verse 10 tells us, that Barnabas and John Mark were related, perhaps cousins. Imagine having Mr. Encouragement himself as someone who encouraged you in the Lord. There was also time spent with Paul, another great man of God. It's Paul again who says, John Mark is useful to me in ministry. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 11. And then think of Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 12 and 13 who speaks positively and complimentarily, in a complimentary way rather, of John Mark. So what I'm saying is quite possibly John Mark knew Jesus. He certainly was part of the inner circle with Paul and Barnabas and Peter himself. Think of the lessons he learned. Think of the stories that they must have told him. Think of the opportunities. Scene number three. He was invited to have a special opportunity. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 13. Notice verses 1 through 3 along with verse 5. He was invited to have a special opportunity. Young people, think about this. When the Holy Spirit says, Separate to me Paul and Barnabas, and they're about to go on the first missionary journey, the first preaching tour... Verse 5 says that they bring Timothy, uh, they bring John Mark rather along to assist them. Imagine what kind of opportunity that would have been to go with the Apostle Paul and Barnabas and to preach the message of God to people who desperately needed the message of God. That's scene number three. Scene number four, look at Acts 13 yet again. This time look at verse 13. 
And the scene is this. He unexplainably left them. He unexplainably left them. He left them. It, he departed. It's the same word that's found in Matthew 7, 23 when Jesus says, depart from me. Well, John Mark departed from Paul and Barnabas on this occasion at some point. The text does not answer our curiosity as to why. The text also does not tell us that Paul and Barnabas coaxed him to leave or tried to coax him to stay. There are things we don't know. Did he get homesick? Did he have a girlfriend? Did he miss his mom's home cooking? There are, did, it, did the rigors of this work with Paul and Barnabas really weigh him down? And did he get discouraged or something? There's several possibilities, but that's all that could be mentioned. They're only possibilities. If John Mark is related to Barnabas, for a while in Acts we read Barnabas and Saul. Long about Acts 13 and 14, we start to see Paul and Barnabas. Maybe in Acts 13, because what is going on is Paul saying, we are going to continue going to to the Jews, but we're going to really consider our mission uh, to the Gentiles. Remember Acts 13, 46 through 48? Maybe that gnawed on John Mark. We don't know. We can't be certain, but maybe that would be understandable. How many scenes have we looked at so far? Huh? Four? Scene number five. Before I give you the scene, whatever the rationale or the reason for John Mark leaving. Paul didn't think it was a good reason. Whatever his reasoning was, Paul did not think it was a good reason. Scene 5. John Mark had an opportunity to think and to rethink that decision. He would have heard the news of Acts 14.27 that God had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles through Paul and Barnabas' work. He would have heard about the events in Acts chapter 15 and what's to be done with Gentile Christians. Are we going to make them be circumcised, these males? Are we going to to make them observe various parts of the old law? And Acts 15 says, no. We cannot impose Old Testament law and our traditions of Judaism on, on those that come to Christ out of the Gentile world. And you know what? 
I believe that there was a willingness on the part of John Mark to try to work with Paul and Barnabas again. You know why I say that? Acts 15. Acts 15, verses 36 and following. Barnabas and Paul agree to continue working together. After all, God has mightily used them. They agree on where to work and how the work should be done. And then Barnabas says, let's take John Mark. And Paul says, I don't think so. And in this case, is Paul just being stubborn and hard-nosed? I believe that when someone like Paul says, you may ought to think about this, you may ought to think about it. And Barnabas is thinking, let's encourage this young man. He's willing to work and he needs another chance. And yes, that's true. But Paul is thinking about the nature of the gospel and going to people who have come to Christ out of paganism and they need to have men that can be counted on doing the work. The Bible says a sharp contention arose between Paul and Barnabas. When you've got a clash of the heavyweights... That could really hurt the church. And it says so much about Paul and Barnabas that what they ended up doing was doubling the work of God rather than dividing the church. If only we were that thoughtful and prayerful and Christ-minded. Number six. John Mark believed in repentance and in reconciliation. Now I want you to listen to me here. You may have never considered this. This, Terry, is the last time we read of John Mark in the New Testament for ten years. About A.D. 50 and Acts 15... And we do not hear about John Mark again until about A.D. 60, Sister Darby. And it is in Colossians 4.10 where Mark is mentioned as the cousin of Barnabas, as a relative of Barnabas. Paul's in jail, house arrest. In Colossians 4. But there is another passage that I find to be remarkably insightful about how John Mark must have believed in repentance and and reconciliation and growing. It is found in Philemon, that little one chapter book. And it's found in Philemon verse 24. Philemon, verse 24. Written between 60 and 62 A.D. 
And in that passage, John Mark is described as one of Paul's fellow workers. I don't know how all that came to pass, but I think it's really interesting that in a book that deals with friendship and forgiveness, Onesimus and Philemon... And Paul says, if you've got anything against him, please put it on my account. If you've got anything against Onesimus, please put it on my account. You know that I'm not going to ask you or make you to forgive him, but I want you to do this as your brother in the Lord. And you know to some degree you owe me your life because I preach the gospel to you. Out of love's sake, will you do what's right? I have little doubt that as time passed and John Mark matured, Paul and John Mark became tremendous friends and co-workers. He is a fellow worker in Philemon. And then turn to 2 Timothy 4.11 that was read for us earlier. Every time I read 2 Timothy, I don't think that Timothy gets through with the book before in tears he packs his bag and leaves because he wants to see Paul one last time. Scripture doesn't tell us whether they had a final meeting together. I'd like to think they did in God's good providence. Even if they didn't in God's great care and blessing... Paul and Timothy can be in heaven together forever with Jesus. But, you know, whenever you are hearing 2 Timothy read and Paul writes, bring John Mark with you because he is useful. The guy who had missed opportunities had second chances and he became useful in ministry. I wish every story ended that way. Don't you? And I imagine John Mark would be packing his bag so that he and Timothy could travel together to see Paul one last time. Scene number seven. John Mark learned to excel as a servant. John Mark learned to excel as a servant. The one who missed opportunities and was useless. The same expression is used of Onesimus. At one time, he was not profitable to you. He was unprofitable to you, Philemon. But now he is useful, profitable to you and to me. Useless is useful. A useful and clean vessel of the Lord. 2 Timothy 2, 20-22. Imagine the privilege of being able through the Holy Spirit to pen good news about the life of Jesus. 
in Mark's case, what we know to be the Gospel of Mark. Many have said there's a strong influence from Peter in this book. I don't think that can be successfully denied. But when you look at Mark's life, you can see how he might be uniquely qualified to write the book through the Spirit himself. And what this book does is emphasize the servanthood of Jesus. What Jesus did proves who Jesus is. Just as I have learned what I do in service to my God and the decisions that I make determine the type of servant I am for God. Key verse of Mark, Mark 10, 45, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom for many. What John Mark tells us about the servanthood of Jesus is a lesson in itself. But he learned servanthood like Jesus by missed opportunities, second chances, and learning to become more useful in the master's service. May we learn too. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. Perhaps someone needs to come to our dear Lord in faith, repentance, and baptism to have their sins washed away by the blood of Jesus and be added to His church. Maybe there are people in this very assembly that have missed opportunity after opportunity to grow in the Lord. Maybe you've had a lot of blessings. I'm so glad to tell you that the gospel is a gospel of second and third and many chances. And while there is life, there is the opportunity for greater usefulness. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Amen there. What God can do with people who fall flat on their faces. He can lift us up and bless us and allow us to serve in ways we never thought imaginable. Let us stand and sing.